Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? They're there. There, talk to them. Good. Can I? Yeah. I would love you to. Can I really? You know how I feel. Can I swear? I'm, I'm, for, absolutely. Ask your friends over here. All right. Fuck you. <laughs> the New Jersey Kid, Joe Sheehan. That's the difference between you and I. For me, this is about passion, and for you, this is about fame. And nobody will ever remember you. The Rogue of Wrestling, Michael Newman. Yeah, that works in Hollywood, that works in the movies, but this isn't the movies, this is real life. And in real life, I am the real hero. You're listening to the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, everyone tuning into our podcast. It has been a long-ass time since we have talked about wrestling, but it is time to do predictions for both Power Struggle for New Japan Pro Wrestling and AEW's Full Gear right off of the eve of the Dinner Debonair, a legendary (laughs) segment from AEW. Joe, your thoughts? Uh, I mean, everything has been, I think, great so far. I I will say I was a little taken aback by the Dinner Debonair, but... It was a very entertaining segment. I thought it was a lot of fun. And I feel like it's definitely one of those... Um, I don't know. This, this may be just my take on it because of what I feel like is going to be the fallout of this. But I feel like they wanted to have a moment of Jericho and MJF together before they uh, start feuding. Yeah, and you wanted to do something that wasn't the normal the contract signing or promo in the ring like what what's what's our cliches in wrestling at this point right right i feel like in a lot of ways this feels kind of like uh, you know like when jericho's like follow up on do like the festival friendship with ko like wanting to do kind of like a unique segment like that i feel mm-hmm. like a lot of that same creative energy came back to this of him just wanting to do a totally unique segment with mjf and then this is what we got yeah i i think you're totally right uh and it was it was it was fun, but it also didn't take away from like uh, this is the, like I don't know if you saw the backlash online of like people saying like oh if WWE did this then people would shit all over it they're just loving it because it's AEW and it's like no people usually shit on it with WWE because it makes no sense to the storyline like mm-hmm. this whole time the the the, the feud quote in quotes between mm-hmm. Jericho and MJF has been this weird thing like of MJF buying all of the inner circle jackets. And then the one for Sammy Guevara is completely oversized. Like, so it's been along the same lines and it's been done well. Like it was comedy and it wasn't trying, it wasn't comedy Mm -hmm. interfering with the seriousness. I guess that's the way to put it. Right. Yeah. Well, and because there's already been a lot of comedy in this feud and in this interaction between these two. So it's not out of place at all. It's not, and it's not a blood feud between them, right? Like, not yet. It's MJ- going to become one, but it's yeah, not yet. But it, but MJF hasn't like killed Sammy Guevara or something like that, like where yeah. it'd be like, no, no, and, oh, and why? That, is... I think that's going to be right, like a dramatic part of the turn is when MJF turns on Jericho, and because right yeah. now it's still in the honeymoon phase, they look like they like each other, they're about to be getting together. It's all this great time, and uh, 
it, it, it was great as it is, but I also, I think you probably agree with this. It is not something they should like do again. It's not something that like other feuds should like be doing. Oh, it's not like absolutely AEW not. should like regularly do musical numbers. Yeah. And I would also assume that um, you would agree with me in saying this, that in this segment, part of what um, helped to make it work is not just that it's something that they're probably only going to do once, but I feel like it helped show an element of the feud that it would have been hard to express otherwise, which is that like, so in musicals, part of what the music is for is to kind of like help express the inner thoughts and feelings of characters. And part of what's going on with the MJF and Jericho thing is that they're both being coy with each other. Like they're both wanting to say what they want to say, but they also don't want to say it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so in the same way that that's what's done in musicals is that it allows these characters to say what they're feeling without them actually having to like, quote unquote, say it so that the mm-hmm. audience can feel it. That's what they're doing here, I feel like, is that Jericho and MJF are both doing this kind of like almost fourth wall breaking moment where it's like, we're showing you both what we're thinking, what we're saying and all that. But then right once it's done, just like in a musical reality, it's almost like that didn't really happen. It's like, Mm -hmm. that's what happened in our hearts and in our minds. And you as the audience got to see it. But then now we're back to reality where we keep, we're keeping these feelings and our thoughts inward to ourselves. Yeah. It's a, it's the um, sitcom, the will they, won't they? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That that draws people in. It's the, Oh, are they, are they going to do it now? Oh, no. When are they going to do it? Oh, and then, Yeah. It's it's what it's what brings people to the table, mm-hmm. and then actually, then that that does bring me to my question because my thought is that this is going to be an extremely short-lived union. I think that uh, MJF is going to not only join the inner circle, but he's going to kick out Jericho in the exact same moment. Like it's all going to happen at once. Do you? Oh think yeah, it's that... going to be really short-lived like that, or do you think that like he's going to be in and they're going to be in together for a while? I don't think it's going to be as um, short as you're saying, but I'm also, I don't think it's going to be months. Um, mm. I think it could be like the next episode or something like that, but not like MJF comes in and then immediately Chris kicks Jericho out just because there would need to be some explanation for like Santana and Ortiz. Like, I believe it was Santana on this past episode that said that he's like unsure of MJF. And then like, obviously Sammy has his, hesitation and then i don't know when they're gonna get um jake hager back because he just had a fight and he was pretty busted up so mm-hmm. yeah it's hard to say because yeah i could definitely see it going kind of more your way right like he gets in and then he starts worming his way through the group kind of like buying off their various loyalties mm-hmm. until eventually he like, like turn on jericho there's already a little bit of distrust i think probably with sammy towards jericho because of jericho's wanting of bringing mjf in so now it could be like MJF starts like warming himself up to uh, Sammy. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like trying to get in his ear and turn him even further against Jericho. Mm-hmm. Or like just make him even more insecure because it's just like, look at how much he obviously likes me over you. <laughs> Especially because like yeah. you know, of anybody, like, right, like Sammy should feel threatened because like MJF is kind of like the young guy in the group. And that was yeah. sort of like. Sa- Sammy's role. And Sammy was the cheerleader of Jericho, right? Like, yeah. he was the one, like, he was the main hype in those, like, uh, 
when Jericho was the first AEW champion, Sammy's sitting there going, he's the youngest champion, like, (laughs) and stuff like that. And so, like, uh, it should be, like, a threat that, like, he was like, hey, I did all this stuff for you, and now you're bringing in this new guy. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of potential there. Uh, Should we actually talk about the matches itself, get into some predictions? Yeah, sure. Since we're talking about it. Um, All right, so you know what? I guess I'm just going to go ahead and start off then, since... I was already talking about it. Um, and I will say that MJF defeats Jericho to join the inner circle. Although, you know, unofficially, officially, whatever. I think that this is going to turn into not only does he join the inner circle, but in a very... I feel like AEW likes to do a lot of really, like, cute twists on things. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's going to result in, yeah, not only him joining the inner circle, but then the rest of the inner circle booting out Jericho in like a total coup sort of moment. So that but you, so you think that happens, uh, it's what next week, right? Is the pay-per-view? I, I think it happens. Yeah. yeah. So I think it happens like as the post match of the match. So like, okay. Jeff beats Jericho, Wardlow comes out and then probably the rest of the inner circle comes out, like looking like they're just going to congratulate MJF to join, but then they like all stand by his side. And then he just like tells them to like kill Jericho or something. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, oh, the result of the match is not just that MJF joined the inner circle, but MJF took over the inner circle. Ooh. I feel like that's like, I feel like I'm on AEW's brainwave and I'm stealing their thought. <laughs> I might be wrong, but that's where I'm at. I definitely agree with the result of the match. I just think it's going to be um, a little bit after that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I definitely, there's a lot to be milked there. So I, I kind of almost hope that you're right. I think that would be better mm-hmm. if they draw it out more. Uh, all right, so let's see. We got MGF versus Jericho. Which match would you like? We got seven more on yeah. this card. I'm going to say Cody retains over Darby Allen. Mm, and I'm okay. saying that because I do think, well, one, I think Cody just won this again. Like only what, like two or three weeks ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think AEW is going to be a hot potato company with the championships, but also there just hasn't been the build for this, right? Like it's just been Darby doing his own videos. And then this past week on AEW, he was doing the sting thing up in the rafters. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess if something major happens this week on AEW, great, but I just don't think there's that. The build-up's not there for Darby to take it. Right, yeah. Like, in the short term, the build has definitely not been there to take it. The only thing that I would think that maybe they would give it to him for is, like, if, if they're trying to go for, like, the really long-term build and if it's supposed to be, like, a surprise. Especially if the other thing I'm thinking about is maybe, like, so if if he's doing the Sting in the Rafters thing, then clearly mm-hmm. the analogy would be that uh, Cody is supposed to be Ric Flair, Right. But uh, well, it'd be more Hogan, Hogan right? Hogan. I guess he more, yeah. Ho- more Hogan, but like, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I guess he is a little bit more Hogan than that. I don't know. I don't like that. I feel like Cody as a Ric Flair analogy. I, I know that the Raptor thing is All more right, Hogan, go, but like, go go with Ric Flair then, because I'm very interested to hear this. I guess it doesn't matter either way, because Sting would get okay. the upset win over either guy. So I feel like that's okay. what they would be potentially leading for. Is it like Darby Allen is going to be this underdog guy who gets the win over? the establishment heel. So then whether that be Hogan or Flair, I just feel like 
heel Cody looks a lot more like heel Flair than he looks like Hogan in any kind of way. Mm-hmm. That's why I liked going that. But yeah, you're right. As far as timing, a better worker, of course. Thing <laughs> Raptors would be against Hogan, but um, yeah, I, I think there's a chance. I think there's an outside chance because Darby Allen and Cody they had that match really early in AEW where it was the draw, right? The first, the, draw. the first AEW, right? The the TV so. show, right? First Dynamite. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember if they've had a match since then or not. Um, or was that that was Dynamite, right? Yeah, I, I think, think it was, it was the dynamite. dynamite. Yeah. And because I feel like it, it always felt to me like when they did that, the idea was that someday Darby Allen would beat Cody. And so then mm. if if the moment would be now that Darby Allen gets the upset win over Cody, and if this serves as a potential catalyst to like keep edging Cody towards our heel turn that seemed like they were kind of doing a while ago, maybe this could be that thing that reignites that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I did remember it. Yes, it was Cody took or Darby took Cody to a draw. It was the time limit draw on the dynamite. And it was before full gear last year, I believe, because that's when I think Cody challenged Jericho for the title and said, if I don't win, I will never challenge for it again. Yeah. Oh, man. So wait, was that it? That was a full gear. That was at full gear previous year, I believe. Let me Hmm. double check that. So then I wonder since they're doing one of those stipulations like that last year and then one of those this year. I wonder if that's going to be part of the gimmick for each year. There's there's somebody has to do a, I'm challenged for this title. And if I don't win, I'm never challenging for it again. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It was full gear last year that Chris Jericho defeated Cody. Cody had MJF by his side. And then it says, Ah, since Cody lost, he will never challenge for the AEW world championship again. Yeah. Huh. All right. So, Capitalizing off of that momentum, I'm going to pick the FTR and Bucks match. And I say the Bucks win because there is no fucking way <laughs> young Bucks unable to ever challenge for the fucking tag titles ever again. Yeah. There is no fucking way. Especially because they're sticking with that uh, result, right? Like they right. haven't had Cody find some loophole. And he's challenging for the yeah. All world he did title. was just like, make it. He made a mid mid card title. He could challenge. Yeah. For. <laughs> and I, I've I've seen people saying like I don't think they're going to make a second tag team titles for the, the <laughs> to make new tag titles. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I feel like I feel like they have to win it then, which is going to be interesting with how uh, short of a reign the FTR is going to have. But that could also work with I feel like what they're trying to do weirdly, which is turn like the Bucks into the heels in the feud. And then have FTR as the faces almost. Yeah. Or maybe they're all heels. I don't know. So, so if the Bucks like fuck them over and take the titles, I feel like that could work. I feel like they might be both heels, but just in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Like the FTR is only heels in the sense that they like want to stick by these certain set of rules and stuff like that. And whereas the young Bucks are just being straight up assholes at some point, like Super kicking Tony, like, but Shivani and stuff. I feel like FTR are also definitely heals for the amount of emi- emotional manipulation they were doing to Hangman Page. That's true. <laughs> I feel like you got to factor that in. <laughs> like literally destroyed his friendship with Omega. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess uh, you could just fault, but whatever. So speaking of that match, though, mm. I think Kenny Omega beats Adam Page in this uh, world title tournament. 
I think so too. I think I think this is the full realization of the cleaner Kenny Omega, which they've just been slowly dripping in. It's been very nice build. Yeah, the rebirth of the cleaner happens now where you get cleans up a sloppy old tag team partner, Hangman puts him away. And then yeah, I think that'll help really build a lot of sympathy for Hangman, who I assume would then probably chase Omega after I assume Omega is gonna take the title. I think he is on a straight path to like anybody he faces now is just dead mm-hmm. until he gets the title. Like yeah. He is gonna be a madman. It's time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess there would be like a really outside chance. I'm not going to completely count Hangman out because like, depending on which direction they want to go with Omega and whether he's just the dominator or if he wanted to like really go heel heel with him. If Hangman stole a win off of Omega here, can you imagine how pissed he would be? Like yeah, Omega, the character. That, like he that might turn him more. even more. Wow, that that would be interesting. Because like that's the only thing I keep thinking of is like that might be really interesting, but I don't think it would be worth the sacrifice. I think Omega does need to win here to really, like you're saying, kind of like bring back the full cleaner gimmick. Mm-hmm. Especially too, because I think doing that correctly would build to an even better uh, like Hangman getting the win over Omega someday if that's what they want to do. Like keep building towards that match and feud. Um, Definitely. All right, let's see. So we got Moxley. Oh, yeah, all right. That's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to say Moxley retains over Eddie Kingston in the uh, I Quit match. I agree with that one, too. I mean, I even though this is one of those matches that I feel like it's really easy to predict, I feel like it's still really exciting and it's going to be fun to watch. Cause I feel like, oh, that's because Eddie yeah. Kingston and John Moxley are amazing. Exactly. <laughs> like the promo's really building great. up to this. Yeah, Eddie Kingston's been great ever since he's come in. I mean, he's been great for a long time anyway, but especially, you know, for this build and coming into this. And I feel like an I quit match is a very interesting stipulation for these guys. Like, it just feels like it works. You know, with, like, how much of a loudmouth Eddie Kingston is, it just, I don't know. To me, it feels like a natural fit. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, I definitely feel like there's no way that Eddie Kingston wins. Like, if he did, I feel like it would be hot shotting him way too quickly to the top. Mm-hmm. And also, I yeah, feel like... Yeah, because he only yeah, just started, what, a month or so ago? Yeah, it was pretty recent. Um, and then especially, too, with Moxley, I feel like there's the long-term... I think they want to build back towards the Moxley and Omega match. Uh, mm-hmm. From, like, back when Moxley first debuted when he attacked Omega. And so I feel like that's the long-term goal, is that Omega will win this tournament, fight... A, uh, Moxley and get his revenge for that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's see. We got three more matches left. What are you taking? Uh, I'm gonna say that. Um, I'm gonna say Hikaru Shida uh, retains over Nyla Rose. Just because that match has had zero build <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah, definitely agree. I, I feel like Sheeta will probably retain, especially too, because if, if I remember correctly, was Nyla, she wanted off of Nyla Rose, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I feel like dropping it back to Nyla Rose would not be the right step forward. Also, I feel like they're 
they want to hold on to when Britt Baker can come back. Yes. That they can do like Sheeta versus Britt Baker. I feel like that's the long-term goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, despite having Vicky Guerrero at her side, I think, yeah, unfortunately Nyla's not going to take it. I won't even defend the win. I don't think it should happen. I don't think it will win. Uh, but let's see. We got Matt versus Sammy and then Orange Cassidy versus John Silver. All right. Well, I'll go ahead and take Orange Cassidy. I feel like there's no way they're going to job him out. <laughs> Especially not to some fucking loser like John Silver. Too uh, too big of a star now. What was it? He's too big of a star now, Orange Cassidy. He is. I mean, I'm actually really surprised that he's on the pre-show. I feel like that's like really low for him on the card after his feud there with Jericho. Um, like, I, I, get that, they I guess see... they probably want to do something with Darby Allen here, but I feel like that should be almost his spot. Like, he should be in the TNT title match. Yeah, I think they, I think Orange Cassidy is entertaining, I think, even to the casual fan, just because mm. he is so different. So I think maybe they want to put him out on like, because where, where do, do they do their uh, pre show on like uh, TNT or. Like YouTube or something? I don't know where they broadcast it. But yeah, they definitely do somewhere where it's more accessible. Yeah, and so I think it just might be like the hopes of getting that casual viewer going like, oh, who's this guy? Orange Cassidy, this looks different. And then hopefully bring them in for the uh, the real show. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good point. Yeah, I feel like Orange Cassidy, like you said, he has a lot of casual appeal. Because mm-hmm. he's just not, he's not the stereotypical... Uh, right. What's the word I'm looking for? Just like the beefed up body and yeah. Yeah, like he's he's a totally different character fundamentally from most wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's one of those characters I feel like he's not even a wrestler. He just happens to like be a guy who's in a wrestling ring. You know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> <laughs> like he just accidentally stumbled in here. It's like, oh shit, are you guys, what are you guys doing here? Pro wrestling? Okay, that's cool. <laughs> I'll hang out. All right, so we got Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara in the ultimate deletion. Who are you taking for this one? Uh, oh, yeah, because you just picked Orange Cassidy. Sorry, I was really confused. I was like, wait, I just picked Uh I'm going to say Matt Hardy wins this one. Just because yeah. I think that would be a nice send-off for him because I just feel like he's now in the background like, after that last match, I feel like he shouldn't really wrestle for a while. <laughs> and I think they just want to finish off the suit. And that would give a little more, like, Matt Hardy beating Sammy might give him a little more uh, oomph for the eventual MJF, like, inclusion in the inner circle. For mm-hmm. however he goes with that. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, I think it works on a lot of different levels, right? Like, I think that, yeah, it boosts up Matt a little bit, which is nice. You could do more stuff with him. But then, yeah, it sets up like you're saying, with like more of the tension with Sammy Guevara in the inner circle if he takes this big loss. And, I mean, if they, if they really were like tempted to, if they wanted to like go really far and like, it seems like they've mostly overcome the hurdle with like Sammy Guevara coming back and any kind of backlash that would have ensued based on his like incident before where he you know said that stupid shit on the podcast. Yeah. However, if they were worried about it, then like I, they could use a situation like this, I feel like, to just get rid of the character and have Sammy Caveira come back as a different character. I don't know if that would help or not, but I don't know. It seems like most of that's blown over. For him, at least. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I feel like you're right. Matt Hardy definitely takes this one because I don't see why Sammy should win this match. <laughs> Unless they really wanted to push him, but I don't think they do. Not right now. Yeah. All right. So moving on, taking care of AEW, going to open the forbidden door and pass through over to New Japan because for whatever reason, these companies just can't touch for so many <laughs> different reasons. Uh, looking a little more prominent now, though, or promising, I should say. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the possibility of it happening is creeping just a little bit more closer. Like it's just a little bit more possible than it was before, like, especially with like Orange Cassidy dropping like the whole like, "Hey, when's the best of the Super Juniors thing?" Yeah, and it was uh, it was all because of um, was it Harold May that was just let go? Yeah, he just got replaced. Uh, yeah, so I, that could lead to a lot of changes potentially, but I'm not, I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, I just I saw something when he was replaced that Tony Khan came out and said how he was the like the reason that talks with them had like stopped or something like that that he was like it was yeah. a very weird negotiation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would I would believe it. I, there's a lot of things about the situation I don't know, but I definitely feel mm-hmm. like there was a a feeling that from New Japan's perspective I feel like AEW kind of has to like give them something first because in a lot of ways yeah. I feel like AEW kind of slighted them. And so it's like, all right, look, if you're going to work with us, I feel like you need to do something for us first. And maybe Harold was, like, too stringent with that for a while. I don't know. Maybe he just kept, like, moving the goalpost further. It's like, you can never do enough for us to not piss me off. <laughs> but, I mean, like, I feel like there could be some very good possibilities. So I, I have hope for the future for some cooperation. Like, I don't want it to be a complete, like, that they're melding together. Like I want them to still kind of have their unique identities, Mm -hmm. but having like a much more open trading relationship, I think would be great. Yeah. Um, so with that, then, uh, do you have the full card up for power struggle? I think there's only six matches on it. Uh, I just got to pull it up now. Power struggle. All right, now I have it up. Excellent. All right. I feel like, I mean, I'm excited for the show, but I feel like there definitely is a lot of these that are probably going to be pretty easy to predict. I think a lot of it's going to be pretty procedural. But let's see how it goes. So I'm going to go ahead and start off with um, the main event. I'm going to say that Naito retains. I feel like... Yeah, I think that's what we're going to be going into... I was just going to say, even for a casual viewer like me, like, mm-hmm. I could see that one. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Because I, I feel like if, if Evil were going to be the champion going into Wrestle Kingdom, that he would have retained it through when he was fighting Naito before. There's just no mm-hmm. reason to hop potato back and forth, back and forth. It was enough to put it to Evil once, get him over as the big new heel, put it back on to Naito to see that he could reclaim it, get the feud over with. But I feel like if you put it back on to Evil now, it would kind of kill the entire thing. <laughs> and I just don't feel like uh, Evil should be the guy to main event Tokyo Dome. He's come a long way, but he's not there yet. Yeah. And I, I, he's close, though. Like, I feel like give him a few more months and I, it would be a little more believable. Oh, yeah. I, I, I definitely think that he can get there. 
I think that, yeah, it's, I, the biggest problem is I think he's having to do so much adjusting to his new character in such a short period of time mm-hmm. that like, yeah, like you say, a couple more months or maybe like another year or two in this new character. And I think he's going to be a lot better. Um, but yeah, so I feel like Naito definitely keeps it through there. He's going to defend the double gold at Tokyo Dome. Question is against two. Yeah, Which match so I will... Oh, this should be an easy one. I think Okada wins over Great Okan. What? You don't think that the newly returned Great Okan beats Okada? <laughs> no, it's crazy enough, right? I mean, hold on. Wait, it is 2020, so... <laughs> it is 2020. <laughs> crazy shit has happened. <laughs> So have you have you seen any of the stuff here with uh, Osprey breaking off from chaos and creating the empire? No, I've not. So that's what uh, this is a branch off. So Great Okan is like Will Osprey's minion, essentially, who mm. came back at the uh, G one, like last night of G one, and helped Osprey steal a win over Okada, along with uh, Bia Priestley, who helped distract the ref. And yeah, Will Osprey used that opportunity to turn heel, break off from chaos. And he's now feuding with Okada and basically saying, like, you were holding me back. Now it's me, my time, all that kind of shit, you know? Gotcha. And so, yeah, now Great Okada is going to be fighting Okada in a one-on-one match here. I would assume, definitely, like you do, I think Okada wins here. Uh, basically get through the minion, and then he'll fight Osprey, I think, at Wrestle Kingdom. For some revenge. Yeah, that sounds right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this great Ocon guy. It's I'm glad to see it was really interesting because like they had this um when he came out the first night with Will Ospreay, he definitely looked kind of like a James Bond villain. Like he had his <laughs> on, he had kind of like almost like metal teeth, sort of like jaws. So he looked pretty oh, intimidating. But then just uh, wanted to throw out a quick though, you mentioning that quick rest in peace to Sean Connery. Oh yes, yeah, rest in peace, Sean Connery, favorite. first ever James Bond. 2020 fucking sucks. All right. <laughs> a legend is gone. But a new legend is born in the great Ocon. <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, so he, he comes out the next night. And so this is the weirdest thing about the Empire is they need new music because Osprey is still using that elevated song. And it just doesn't work for a heel. <laughs> Especially not a heel leading his own faction. Like, And so they're coming out to the elevated theme. And um, great Ocon has, like, this... When he's not the James Bond villain, I guess his gimmick is that he's like a Chinese Mongolian zombie. So he kind of has like this almost like traditional like Chinese robe on, but then like um, coming down from his hat is like a like a cloth over his face that has like a question mark on it. It's really mm-hmm. it's really bizarre. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, so he's definitely trying to be like, oh, I'm like the reincarnation of Genghis Khan because I'm like the great Khan. <laughs> All right, so let's see. So Kata's definitely going to win that, yeah. Um, all right, next match I'm going to take. I'm going to say that... Uh, all right, I have to do it. I'm going to say Ibushi retains the briefcase over Jay White. I there's can like, absolutely say that. I definitely am confident, but there's like a part of me that's just so scared that like it's 2020 bad things happen like 
<laughs> Dude, I love how much 2020 has become like it's 2020. <laughs> it's, it's the new curse. Like fuck Friday the 13th. Just 2020 is the new curse number. <laughs> like that's like, my favorite thing. I'm in a fantasy football league, and anytime something crazy happens where like someone who shouldn't have won, won like wins, we're just like fucking 2020. Like <laughs> <laughs> totally. And yeah, it, it's one of those things where it's like okay, so like he just he's won back to back G1 climaxes now, which is you know not been done for a very long time. Big deal. Yeah. He lost last time, and he lost big time last time because he lost on night one and night two. So Ibushi mm-hmm. was the big loser in the double gold dash. So I feel like winning the G1 and then keeping it to when he gets the shot against Naito, and then I think beating Naito is like all the the long-term, basically, revenge for that. Like he's getting yeah. back that win. And but, it's also at this point now, Naito has had his run. Like, it's been a very yeah. strong run. Yeah, I mean, it definitely could have been stronger because, you know, COVID messed things up. But it, it was right. a solid run, nonetheless. And, yeah, it, it's also... The other thing to consider, too, is just, like, how much... I think New Japan wants Ibushi to be a champion. They want him to get a big crowning achievement. And despite the fact that he looks young, he's not young. He's, like, 38 years old. So they kind of need to do it now. <laughs> Because that motherfucker likes to drop himself on his neck. And I feel like once you get to 40 and you're still dropping yourself on your neck, you're really, really playing with borrowed time. <laughs> I mean, I feel like Ibushi's already playing with borrowed time. But anyway, I don't want to test it. But yeah, there's this part of me that's nervous. Though. It's like I feel like Jay White could steal it, though. And the thing that's worse is, I don't know if this is just like a great troll move by Jay White or not, but there's this new shirt that he released on Pro Wrestling Tees that basically shows him, like, stealing the briefcase. It's like, no! <laughs> no! Don't do it! <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, okay, so I'm gonna go with uh, my guy. I'm gonna say Zack Sabre Jr. gets the uh, 2020 king of pro wrestling trophy from Toriano. yeah i feel like i feel like you're right because like this isn't g1 so like yano beating somebody it's like it means more and i feel like when he stole it over the four-way in okada that's also a different situation so like if he were just to beat zach saber jr in a straight on one-on-one match that would be not that wouldn't really make sense with their booking like <laughs> that would not be okay yeah like, that would not be okay <laughs> So, yeah, I, I agree. I think Zach should win this. My, my only question and my sort of struggle about this is I wonder whether they should bother even still acknowledging this KOP W trophy. Like, if, if they want to do something with it, then I feel like they need to do something actual with it. Because the initially when it was introduced, it seemed like it was something that was going to be defended more often. And it was this idea where it was like uh, fans would like vote on stipulations that like wrestlers would come up with mm-hmm. and I haven't still seen anything yet for what the proposed stipulations would be between Yano and Zach so it's kind of like I don't like why are you fucking even doing this if you're not following what the stipulation of the thing was supposed to be so I don't know I'm a little bit confused I hope that it just isn't something that's just gonna be like a silly stupid thing to make look Zach look stupid so if it's just gonna be the meaningless nothingness as it is let Zach win if you want to turn into something more, also let Zach win. But if it's going to stay around past the end of 2020, 
I feel like they need to actually do something with it. Otherwise, I would be very okay with just letting it fall by the wayside and we never mention it again. Mm-hmm. Because frankly, there's, there's already like, if anything, too many titles in New Japan and we don't need a random trophy that means nothing. I could also, though, see Zack Sabre Jr. having fun with the trophy. So that's the only part of me that wants to see that. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, because like what I was saying, like if they're going to do something with it, then do something with it. Yeah, but if it's going to be cool just a, an unnecessary prop, then yeah. Right, yeah. If it's just, if it's just an unner- another unnecessary prop amongst Yano's series of props, because he comes out with his fucking jacket, he comes out with his fucking curry, and his DVD, and his chair, and his fucking spray bottle, and then now also the trophy. So it's like, it doesn't mean shit. So, I hope it just does something. Alright, so we got two matches left. We got Kenta versus Roshi Tanahashi and Suzuki versus Shingo. Um, I'm going to pick Shingo to take back the never open title from Suzuki. Mm. I feel like this could go either way, but I feel like Shingo has definitely been like a clear priority for like last year and this year, the way they've been booking him. And, they, and he should have been because he's been absolutely banging out of the park. Great matches. People are in love with him, including myself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like him losing it to Suzuki was about, in the end, building him up even more by him and Suzuki being like these great rivals. Not that in the end, Suzuki would keep the title and like basically beat. Because I think if Shingo loses again in the rubber match, then that ultimately does make Shingo look a little bit bad. Not terrible, because losing to Suzuki is not a big deal, but I feel like in the end, this is about making Shingo look even better and overcoming the guy that he couldn't beat at first. Yeah. Because, yeah, he lost to Suzuki at Jingu. He beat him in G1, and then now he can beat him in the rubber match to like be like, all right, I finally did beat you. The second purpose mm-hmm. of that, I think, is that this will further set up what I would imagine is going to be a potential big Wrestle Kingdom storyline of uh, Tai Chi and Suzuki. Because that whole who's going to be in charge of Suzuki Goon seems like that's building to a climax here pretty soon. Yeah. And Tai Chi beat Suzuki in the G1 this year. Clean. Mm-hmm. So All there's right. a lot of moving so, pieces here. <laughs> and then uh, there's only one match left, right? Kenta yep. and Hiroshi, right? The U.S. briefcase versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. I gotta say, I think Kenta keeps this, right? I don't know. That's that's why I see this one for last. I'm very like I know it's the hardest one because it's like it's like yeah, Kenta's the the new thing technically in New Japan, right? Just starting. Oh wait, hasn't it? Has he been there a year now? Uh yeah, like almost exactly a year because he came in. Yeah, I think it was right before G1 last year. But still, like a newer face on the scene that hasn't been there for years. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's it's Tanahashi, so it's like there's always that chance. Right. Uh, I'm leaning Kenta though. That does make sense. Yeah, with keeping it Kenta, I I feel like there is definitely a distinct possibility with Tanahashi. But I, so either way, the the thing to think about is I feel like probably whoever wins this match is eventually going to be if they can get Moxley into a fucking New Japan ring, will be fighting yeah. him for the U.S. title eventually. 
So the question mm -hmm. is, like, which match do, will they want to do? Do they want to do Kenta versus Moxley? Or do they want to do Tanahashi versus Moxley? I think the slight... You can do either, absolutely. But I think the bigger draw might be for Kenta. And I'm only saying that because I think Kenta is the bigger draw to the U.S. crowd. Right? So this is where the partnership could help. Like, if uh, New Japan goes, okay, we're bringing over Moxley to drop the title finally. Like, let's put him in front of Kenta, who's been in front of U.S. audiences already mm -hmm. uh, from WWE. So. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I guess he does have a little bit of that old um, WWE clout. That's true. Yeah, I I don't. I think you would underestimate how much of a, a draw Hiroshi Tanahashi is, though. But maybe that's oh oh, I'm not saying he's no no no. He's absolutely a draw. Yeah, but I'm I'm yeah. just saying like if you were to directly compare Hiroshi versus Kenta, I feel like Hiroshi Tanahashi would actually outdraw Kenta in America. Hmm. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's just my guess. Be only because I feel like he, Kenta was so wasted in WWE. Like, yeah. if they had used him correctly, then I, I think that would definitely not be true. But, like, he was almost invisible in his time there. Because <laughs> he was, like, injured half the time, and then basically when he wasn't injured, they just weren't doing dick with him, I feel like. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. All right. So, you take Kenta, I'll take Tanahashi. Ah, uh, yeah. All right. So, that takes care of Power Struggle. And full gear. The predictions are in. Are you feeling lucky? Who will win? I, I definitely feel good about AEW. New Japan's always a crapshoot for me. <laughs> well, actually, I mean, you know what's fucking funny? So, like, all right. On the last uh, show of predictions, you actually beat me on the New Japan section. But I made it up on the AEW section. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> So I think what we've learned is that the more I know about a wrestling promotion, the worse I am at predicting it. Well, it's the, it's the same for both of us. And then, yeah, it's don't don't watch. You know what? We, 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 we should predict the show for a promotion that neither of us have ever watched sometime. Just completely. Yeah. Like, you don't know who any of the people are. You don't know who the stories are. Just see how it goes. <laughs> Oh man! Although, all right. So oh. before you go, though, I want to get one last, one last prediction here from you. Shoot. Who wins the 2020 United States presidential election? Oh man, you're gonna end it on this. Yep. <laughs> the biggest prediction of them all. We only got one last, one chance left. Well, actually, I guess that's not true. So we have two separate questions. Who do you think will win the election? And then, who do you think will be the president in 2021? <laughs> I, I truly think it's going to be Joe Biden. Because yeah. the, the, the surge of support for... It's, it's not even... like Take away Democrat and Republican at this point. The surge of support of just like sanity to rule this country. And be, I, think, I think a huge part of it has been COVID. Like, I've now seen so many people saying, like, hey, normally I would vote Republican, but, like, I'm going Democrat this time because, like, COVID severely affected me and I'm not getting any help from the government. Like, right. mm -hmm. I think that's going to be the surge. Yeah, it's, so. yeah. it's going to be close, though. I, I have a feeling it's Tuesday night. We don't know who won yet because I think it's going to be 
a lot of the mail-in stuff and all delaying it. And I think it's going to be very similar to mm-hmm. um, the, what was it, 2000 election with Gore yeah. and Bush, where it all came down to Florida. Yeah, I think you're right. It is definitely going to be like, we're not going to know for sure <laughs> right away. I, I, can be, I keep hoping that like there's going to be enough of a landslide that like hopefully we'll basically know early on and then it's just kind of confirming mm-hmm. later on for sure. The only thing well, like, that's how that's how most of it works every election night, right? Like they right. when they call it, yeah. it's not that they've counted every single ballot. It's that they go, okay, there's enough of a difference at this point that it would be unlikely that the next person would win. True. Although there's definitely like a much bigger discrepancy this time around with like how many. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And the fact that like they're trying to fucking invalidate the process in the midst of it, like it's so insane. I, and I have faith now that the Supreme Court. Just ruled that like they are allowing ballots to come in. What is it up to three days after the election or something like that? Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, they're they're not fucking up everything. Good. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, that's looking good. Like a lot of the polling numbers have been good. The other thing that I've been really excited to see is just the raw amount of voting. Because that's been, you know what? Is that like too many people just don't vote? And then already yeah. now, like in Texas, I think it was reported that like more people have early voted in Texas already than voted in 2016 altogether. Yes. I think a lot of states, they're seeing that, that the early voting is already outnumbering who voted in the last election, like, yeah, which so is like fan- phenomenal. Because, yeah, I feel like a lot of the, uh, one of the biggest tactics for us to be able to get the uh, correct result in this production or in this election, which is get the fuck out of the orange band, bye-bye Trump, we just need to get raw more people voting. And it seems like more yeah. people are getting out there. And so for you listeners, this is the segue. If you have not fucking voted yet, get your lazy ass out there and fucking vote. And if I hear that you fucking voted for Trump, I will find you and I will fuck you. I will fuck you in the worst way possible. Uh, yeah, and just as a, a note um, for New Jersey people, uh, at this point, don't mail in your ballots. Take the mail-in ballot that you got and either drop it off to a polling place on election day, uh, to a drop box at your municipal building. Um, and then the final option is the county office uh, of your elections. Those are the th- three places. Drop them off to those. And that eliminates any question of the mail-in voting disparity. Um, I'm not sure how it's working for Pennsylvania for you, uh, Newman, but... Uh, for New Jersey, if you actually go and vote in person on election day, mm-hmm. you're you're not voting on a regular ballot. It's called a provisional ballot, um, where it's going to go through extra steps of security to make sure that you're not trying to vote twice. So that's mm-hmm. that's the only negative to voting on election day, just for people in New Jersey. Well, really good. Uh, I wish I had that much information prepared for Pennsylvania people, but... <laughs> I sure it, it was it's experiences on my end. Uh, Aaron and I both did the mail-in voting thing, and we luckily live right around the corner from our county office. Um, uh, there you go. And so we were able to drop it off there. And then one of my friends, uh, she was moving when they were organizing the mail-in ballots, so she did not get her mail-in ballot, and mm. like still hasn't gotten it and so she was like oh i'm gonna vote person election day and then found out that it's only provisional ballots and was like kind of pissed because she was like well shit now my ballot could come under question basically but yeah that sucks but uh, it's at least i i i it's it's not a huge deal in the the sense that i don't think they can invalidate any 
provisional ballots cast on election day because the ballot was received in time. That's that's going to be the biggest thing is when the ballots are received. So, yeah, making sure that grace period is long enough. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I know at least for PA. So like I I sent mine in and there was a, a thing you can use to track online to see like where your vote is along the step process. So like I could see when date they received it, and then that it would like what status it was. So I know that for a fact my vote has been recorded. So I know it's in yes. there. Yeah, I was able to do that for New Jersey, luckily. There was an easier way to do it where there was like a number on our envelope that we could mm-hmm. track. But instead, I just logged on to like New Jersey has a portal where I can look at my whole election history, like every election I voted in and oh, how I did it cool. and stuff like that. And it had this year as like mail-in ballot and it said received and stuff. So mm-hmm. I was thankful for that. Cause, and then Aaron was happy because we then got our uh postcard saying hey we received your ballots with uh stickers that say i voted by mail-in nice <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah all right go vote yes that's all i have vote, to say. people but no don't not just go vote go vote for biden <laughs> seriously fucking go vote for biden i will probably never ever tell you exactly who you have to fucking vote for in any election ever except for this one fucking vote for biden yes if you don't fuck you also new jersey vote for weed that that too <laughs> i want my property taxes lower <laughs> i think that's gonna do it for us all right so peace out everybody be good the democracy is only as good as